Good evening and welcome to episode 16 of the Vegan Hour on Tuesday, August the 20th. And I have <laughs> Dr. Ali Samuel. Samuel. <laughs> I just never pronounced your surname correctly. <laughs> <It's all good. laughs> We're going to have a very interesting episode tonight. But first, let's mention the wonderful sponsors of the Vegan Hour, which is Vegan Frothers. You can see on the sign in the background there, Vegan Frothers do cruelty-free clothing. When you buy cruelty-free clothing from Vegan Frothers, you are supporting animal sanctuaries. 100% of the profits go to them. So that's a really good uh, reason to be getting your vegan clothing from Vegan Frothers. And also Cindian Natural Food Products, which I just had some of their lovely sausages today. Gluten-free, soy-free, non-GMO, all natural. Love it. So thank you, Cindian, for supporting the Vegan Hour as well. Now, I see lots of people coming online, which is great. Let's just mention three things happening this week and then we'll get on with tonight's show because we've got a lot to talk about tonight. So three events coming up tomorrow night. If you're on the Gold Coast, if you go to BKA Vegan Restaurant in Burley Heads, you can get bowls of the most amazing food for only $20 each. It's their bowling night from 5 p.m. It's usually packed, best of book. Uh, this Saturday, my vegan life group has vegan luck in the park at Broadbeach from 12 noon. Bring some vegan food, meet some friends, and uh, or make new friends, and you've got great like-minded people there. And also on uh, Sunday, Brisbane Vegan Markets in Brisbane from 12 noon at West End. That's getting it all out of the road. And uh, <laughs> Troy says, such a stunning guest. I thought he was talking about me then. <laughs> such a stunning sure presenter. I'm sure he is, yes. Okay, so tonight, uh, oh geez, we've got the comments coming through real quick already there. Uh, <laughs> Kathleen says, I've got to get back on that bike. Uh, yeah, after the food comment, yeah. And uh, David, thank you for joining us, David. Um, I'm glad you're here too, because we've got lots to talk about tonight. Now, I in the promo video, um, I mentioned that we were going to be talking about the consciousness of water, and that is that is our introduction into a much larger uh, area that we're going to be talking about tonight. Because um, as important as that is, uh, we we really want to get into the, the 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 sort of things that are really hitting the planet pretty hard at the moment that is coming up quite a lot and bringing up a lot of debate and that of course is what's happening with our environment what our future is looking like and so this is why Ali is is the perfect person to uh, ask about this because you have a lot of experience in this area <laughs> so please take it away tell us who you are or wh wherever you want to start basically okay. I want to find out a little bit about, about you a little bit about your vegan journey okay. and then we can get into the uh, the hard facts Okay. okay. Uh, well, hi everybody. This is wonderful. It's such an honor to be here. Thank you so much. Thank Aaron. you for coming. I really appreciate this. Um, so my name is Ali. Um, I have uh, my undergraduate degrees in science. So I did genetic engineering and biochemistry uh, many, many moons ago. Um, I then did, I wanted to travel. I've always loved traveling. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I thought I can't really travel around the world saying, hey, I'm a genetic engineer, employ me. So I did my teaching degree and I, so I became a math science teacher and uh, I went to Canada and I lived over there for 20 years. I grew up on the mm. Gold Coast and then I went to mm. Canada. And, um, and interestingly, I actually really love teaching. 
Mm. And I love the communication of science and getting students really motivated into science. Mm -hmm. And then I did my master's in um, ecological sustainability. And so sort of all around that, the whole notion of what we're doing with the planet and how we can change it and specifically in relation to education. Okay. And then I uh, went and I, I did my, I worked at, started working at universities, teaching science, teaching people to be science teachers. Yeah. And yeah. then, um, I, and especially environmental science. And then um, I did a PhD looking at the teaching and learning of science and uh, ecological sustainability, deep ecology, all those type of things. Mm. And so for the past mm. 20 years, I finished that 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And since 1992, I've been teaching at universities in Canada and Australia. And I specifically look at uh, Western science, the teaching and learning of Western science and the communication of science but very much so from uh, a deep ecology or ecological sustainability, social justice lens. Mm, and so no matter what good. I teach, especially now, no matter what I teach, there's an underlying agenda of um, sustainability yes. and, and compassion yeah. and yeah. an interconnection of all life or, or everything yeah. on the planet. Yes. And so whether I'm teaching yeah. physics, which I will be tomorrow morning um, <laughs> yeah. to 300 students, um, or whether it's chemistry or whether it's um, earth-based science or biological science, there is that sort of that, that, that mm. underpinning through the lens of what does this mean for the planet? How do we make sense of ourselves in relationship with the rest of the planet and what it means for the future of the planet? I love that that's your approach because I had the opposite experience mm -hmm. from my um, from my chemistry teacher in high school yeah. who was, was very uh, disconnected, I'll put it that way, you know, and it really set me off and like a, no, that's not the way to to understand life and, and the planet and that, you know, so I love, yeah. love your approach there. Um, so... And my vegan journey. And your vegan journey, okay, yes. So, so before we get into the hard-hitting facts, I, I, I don't know Ali's vegan journey, so I, I've said, don't tell me it. Just, just, I want to hear it for the first time, so, because apparently it's pretty good. Well, it, it's interesting. So for those people, um, if you're vegan out there, I'm sorry, I'm going to sort of say a non-vegan thing for a second so hopefully it won't offend but i remember it was um when was it it was 1991 i was in montreal mm -hmm. and i had the most exquisite steak like it was mm -hmm. like one of those steaks that take over the whole plate it was at this basically this, meat this is the point at which i need to put forward. sorry <laughs> disclaimer sorry disclaimer. so i had the most amazing steak it was delicious i remember the next day i went back to where i was living in stratford in mm -hmm. Ontario and I was going to school. I was, I was a high school teacher, the science mm -hmm. teacher, and as I was walking through the snow, I came to a, a red light and of course I didn't know anybody vegetarian. I didn't, it wasn't yeah. in my... Yes, it, well, it, it, it hadn't occurred to you? No, 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 not really. Okay, yeah. And so, yeah. but I've always, I always really appreciated sort of animals, and, you know, mm. I love them. I just didn't put the connection between me eating them and right. my love of them. Yeah. Anyway, I was standing at a, at a street light uh, on the, on a corner and I was it was snowing and all of a sudden a pig truck came oh. by and so this Stratford yes. is the pig the port capital of Ontario right and so there are always okay. pig trucks and so this yeah. pig truck stopped and and I'm standing there and all of a sudden this snout came through the grate oh wow and I just yeah. looked at him like oh hello piggy and then I yeah. looked at this pig and its whole side was open it was oh. just a complete mess it was just oh. bleeding everywhere and and for this 
for about three minutes. It was the longest night in my life. Yeah. I remember just looking at these wow. pig's eyes and it was just, wow. it was almost, there was liquid in its eyes and I'm just staring oh at it and then God. we just had this connection and oh. I just started bawling. Yeah. And, I, and then yeah. I remember I'm turning, really bawling now listening to it. I, wow. I remember turning to the, the, the driver that had his window open. I remember looking at the driver and it's almost like I wanted to scream at him. Yeah. I was so angry. I was so, yeah. I felt hurt for this pig. And I remember oh. looking at the driver and I'm thinking, you know, I wanted to sort of scream yeah. at him. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me. It's not the driver's fault. It's me because I choose to eat meat. As long as I continue to make the choice to, wow. to be a consumer of yeah. meat, then animals like that will go through it. And I made, I looked at that pig who was yeah. literally dying on the way yeah, to going to the, to the yes, thing. Yeah. And I made a promise to him then, yeah. then and there that I will yeah. never eat meat again. And wow. I haven't. That is. That was my wow. pig story. Wow, that's powerful. There you go. That's, that's profound, that is powerful. And that is an, an instant just realization connection. Yeah, wow, right. that is incredible. So there you go. That's Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing that. And that was, so that was 90, 1992 you went vegan? Start, the start of January 1992. Wow. And I haven't eaten that 20, 27 years. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, see, there are compassionate scientists in the world. <laughs> um, uh, Marina says, a pig truck did it for you, an emu farm did it for oh, me in 1993. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. It's, so, it is that connection, you know, when you, when you see yourself in the other yes. and when you recognize yes. self it's that yes. kinship it's, you, it's that whole idea of the indigenous community looking at mm, all of my relations when you see yes. yourself in other and you actually that there's that that connection there and this That's is something that, that you also lecture about and no, know quite about the, so, the indigenous connections yeah for the, the past 20 yes. years i've looked at how western science and indigenous ways of knowing Coincide. coincide and so okay. I've, I've written a few books about that and my next book is actually which should be finished in the next three weeks yeah is looking at that and i believe we're going to try and put some links to some of your um publications and stuff like that uh okay. later you're going to send me okay. information in there there was a quote that came to mind a buddhist quote when you were talking about you know when you see yourself in the other it's it's um something along the lines of all beings tremble before death mm, absolutely and, and when we see ourselves uh, you know, in the eyes of another, what harm can we do? Yeah. You know, how can we hurt another? That's so, right. and that that's really a basis of compassion, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that's so that was a profound experience that you had. That's really that is, wow. And, and it, it is, you know, and I guess coming back to uh, my philosophy on teaching and learning, especially mm. in science, compassion is the key word that keeps on coming back to it mm. and linking to water. So if I mm. segue into the water, yes, yes, which we're going to do in a second, yeah. we're yeah, going to so, segue into the water because we so promised. We promised right, a, 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 a show about, about water, but we decided that we, we would expand way, I mean, you could do a show just about water, but we expect, we decided there are more pressing matters that need to be uh, talked about tonight so, as well. Absolutely. So, yeah. So if we, if we do start off with water and we look at the seminal work of Emoto, so he was a Japanese, um, a Japanese man who did some research around um, water and how water responds to to different things whether it's sort of pollution whether it's anger whether any type of emotion that's, that's true and yeah. it's interesting because now his work at that point in time his work um wasn't it wasn't supposed to be done under controlled um scientific processes right and so he did he did this uh wonderful work and it was critiqued because yeah. it wasn't done under sort of scientifically controlled processes yeah, yeah. but then at that point and even now mm. 
there are limits to what the um, the scientific method can do or should do, and so I don't even know if it actually could still be done right. that way. Doing that type of research, not all type of research. Again, science only answers certain questions. There are certain questions science can't answer, and so it, it does a fantastic job at answering the questions mm -hmm. it can. So mm -hmm. if you're looking at Emoto's work, I don't know if science can actually answer some of the things that he set out for. So even if his work is is critiqued based on its its flaws around the scientific method, yeah. what it does raise yeah. are beautiful um, questions around what what is you know what is what is life? How do we define life? Right. And and yeah. if we don't you know and what is worthy of compassion? What is not uh, worthy of compassion? And yes. that social construction of of what we give compassion to and what isn't. A, you know what we deem as not being thought of in a compassionate way. What should we respect and not respect? Absolutely. And should there be that question at all? That's right. And mm. I think it, and it, this sort of so not touching base on his work because mm. that isn't my area. But mm -hmm. what I one of my research areas is looking at the social construction of water. And what right. I mean by that is that you know we're we're all born into communities and, and ways of thinking that will teach us how to actually engage and react in the world. And so mm. I mean I didn't True. come out of my my mother's mm. womb with mm. this understanding of what water is. I had mm. to be taught about what water is and, and things like that. And most mm. of it's, sublim it's very subliminal. Yes. Right? True. It's something that we rely on. We all know it. we rely mm. on it. But, mm. you know, we, we see it as, as a commodity. We see it as something that's non-living. And yeah. we very much sort of look at it that way. And so my, a lot of my research, especially in the past six years, has looked at the social construction of water, how we socially make sense of it. Right. And so yeah. one of the things that my, my work, and I work with uh, researchers in Canada, around this as well that I publish mm -hmm. in this area. And one of the things that my research looks at is basically there's different ways of making sense of the bigger meta-narrative or the bigger picture around water. Okay. And there is what we call the hydrological cycle yeah. and the hydrosocial cycle. Okay, boy, you've lost me there. <laughs> No, I'm, a so, I'm a simple man. <laughs> so the hydrological cycle, so if we're looking at how we teach people to make sense of water, the hydrological cycle is what most of us grew up with. It's understanding water through the lens of science. So we talk about how water, the water cycle, how mm -hmm. it's, it, it moves around the earth, it moves around the sort of the planet, how right. it sort of, you know, we, yeah. you know, it evaporates, it turns yeah. into clouds, okay, it comes back down, yes. and then it sort yeah. of falls on the waterways yeah. and things like that. And so yeah. we, we do it from a very much a perspective of science, but, and if you look at any photo, and I do, you know, I challenge you, go into the internet mm. and put in the water cycle, yeah. you will see photos that actually are devoid of humanity. So we talk about it in relationship with the natural environment, but not necessarily right. with cities, towns, people, right. policies, um, human okay. agendas, things like that. Okay. And yeah, so yeah. it's very much yeah. the hydro, hydro, so hydrological cycle <laughs> is taught very much from a perspective that it's nature. It's a natural phenomenon, and because it's nature-based, there's not much that we can do to it. So again, if I specialize in droughts and floods, which is what climate change is actually, the big thing about climate change, yes, yes. and how we actually make sense of droughts and floods. And we see them again, and we construct them as a natural phenomenon that we don't have any control over. You know, mm. the gods mm. are mm. cursing us, and yes. there's no rain, yes. and oh, you know, yeah. oh, there's flooding. And so yeah. we see it as a natural yeah. phenomenon, and, and that's how we tell the story. Therefore, we don't need to take responsibility 
for all the the ways in which humanity has actually ah, changed the environment that causes that of course and so yes and so it's very much yes. and if you actually uh, a paper that was actually just published uh last week last friday mm. that uh in one of the australian journals that i wrote um looks at i did a, a study of looking at um, a lot of papers across Australia uh, mm -hmm. and, and Canada from just about every single discipline that there is. So from the arts, from economics, from science, from education, from all these different things. And I looked at the story of how it constructs water mm -hmm. and very much it, it tells that whole idea. It's sort mm -hmm. of, you know, water is to be understood as a natural thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the best yeah. thing that we can actually do is try to manage it mitigate yeah. against any any problems yeah. and and put infrastructures in place to actually protect ourselves from droughts or floods right. and that we, yeah. it's seen as negative yeah. um, and so there is another way though of actually talking about um, water and one of those other ways is the hydrosocial cycle right. and so what we when we teach about water from a hydrosocial cycle we're talking about water's inherent relationship with humanity right. and that most like most cultures throughout the world or cities throughout the world have been built around fresh water sources true they're built on rivers on things like yes. that because again you can only survive less than five days yes. without water yeah and uh and so again water is a very important thing and mm. we we've changed water courses you know we've changed waterways we've changed yes. things like that so again yeah. there's this lovely um reciprocal relationship mm -hmm. between humans mm. and water mm. and and so water changes us and we actually change mm. water yes and and that yes. sort of thing and so the hydrosocial cycle teaches that you know humans humans play a huge role in mm. what's actually happening with water whether it's polluted whether it's not all those kinds of things. Yes. And so yeah. again, so looking at water from the hydrological cycle, it's not saying that that's a wrong thing of doing it yeah. at the science side, yeah. but putting it, that framing in relationship to humanity and to social policies, to to um, you know different different economic agendas, things like that, that, that actually play a role in shaping water from a human's perspective. What I'm hearing you say there, one of the things that I'm hearing you say there is that whether or not we acknowledge um, water as a living being or not, uh, that we need to work with it respectfully. Yes, that's right. And, and so yeah. the hydrosocial cycle, doesn't it take it that far? It right. really just sort of looks at the fact that humanity has a role in, in um, influencing water, even if it's mm. just from a managerial mm. thing. Mm. The, the paper that I'm writing right now with a colleague from um, uh, Florida, mm -hmm. his name's uh, Peter Blaise Cochran. He's a very well respected um, environmental educator in, in the US. He's retired now and we're looking, we're taking it that step further. We're looking at the relationality of water. That's what we're calling it. Okay, the relationality. In fact, you, Peter, if you're listening, you're probably going to be thinking, <laughs> you're giving it away us what we're calling it. It's our term. So right, he's not listening. I can't see him on the list. <laughs> And it's that whole idea of understanding water, not just from a social thing, but understanding it from very much an intrinsic human, that, that compassionate, mm. that, that, that whole thing that when I looked at that pig's eyes or when yes. that lady looked yes. at the emu yes. and had that response to, to understand water at that level. Because only if we understand it at that level mm. can we actually see how it's a part of us. Mm. And a good example of that is if we actually choose a cake, one of my favorite foods. <laughs> so if you choose a cake and if, if a cake, the majority of the cake mm. was uh, made up of carrots, the mass of it was made up of carrots, what would we call that cake? I'd call that delicious. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. A carrot cake. A carrot oh, yes. cake, right? And if you, if you look at most things, you know, if you look at the, what the main ingredient is, yeah. it determines it's, the identity right. of that thing. Yes. And yet, 
if you look at the majority of what humans are made up of. Yes, this is, I was thinking this is where, yes. Absolutely, we, <laughs> we don't, and we're, yeah. we're taught that yeah. water is a non-living thing. Mm. It's a non-living mm. thing that is a commodity. It's a mm. resource for us to exploit. That, that's right. It is that yeah. type of thing. But if we actually look at it from yeah. how this it is, actually is us, yeah. you know, you yes. are water. The yes. most part of you yes. is water. And so yes. if you actually look at the water and see it as a connection to yourself, yes, it, 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 it's a profound thing. Your body will not exist. Most of the chemical reactions in your body would could not happen. With water in with, fact yeah, you yeah. breathing you using energy yeah. right now all of our bodies are going through cellular res respiration yes we take in oxygen and we give out carbon dioxide but we also produce water in eating food and using energy your right. body produces its own water it combines different chemicals to produce water wow and we and so water we actually we we pee out yes it doesn't just come from the water we drink or the liquids oh. we drink it actually comes okay. from the chemical reactions of the food that release oh. the energy and provide us with water so water is a very your body makes water right mm. you are so much part of water yet we wow. don't we don't yeah. see that whereas yeah. if, we, if we were taught to understand that and if we were taught to see how uh, uh, we're deeply deeply mm. interconnected with this and mm. and that same process of cellular respiration happens in every living thing mm. it happens in plants and it happens 24 7 in plants it happens yeah. 24 7 in animals wow. and so that that connection of water and water flows in and out of us every single drop of water we have yeah. had yeah has been in the clouds it's been yes. another living thing yes. it's been in a plant yes it is just in your body for yeah. a certain so, amount of time yeah. and we share it so it flows through all of us yeah. and so you so, know that that whole understanding of wow. that interconnection it's, between water yeah. If it's, you really get that, profound, isn't it? You, you do, and you, yeah. you you start to understand how all life shares this wonderful yeah. thing. Well, as John said, their water is the lifeblood of civilization. Absolutely, so Absolutely. That, yeah. And and it's yeah. a civilization, and again, that's a, a hydrosocial perspective, which yeah. is great. It's it is that, but it's also the lifeblood of every living thing that we share yes. and again yes. you know we had this discussion earlier what is living mm. and so i'm also mm. very aware of that yes. because science has has done this separation between which is not correct actually there mm. well i shouldn't say that it's correct in the eyes of science mm. but in other cultures it it doesn't align with other cultural philosophies right. so if you're looking at the 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 definitions of what is living and what is non-living mm -hmm. and what is was living so when I teach science I say that there's living non-living and was living there is a distinction between those two yes so something that's non-living is say in science is like a rock mm -hmm. whereas something like a, a dead plant mm -hmm. is a was living yes so there is yes. a distinction between those things yes but if you look at the the definition of living and non-living from another more interrelated connection thing, mm -hmm. you know, if you look at rocks or soils or things like that, you know, there there is an intent, intrinsic sort of um, elemental, you know, yeah. um, vibration to them yes. that, that we share. Whether it is yes. the, those molecule compounds yes. of water in them, yeah. Well, or there's, there's definitely like as you, there's definitely an energy whether they're living or not. There's still an energ energetic Absolutely. component. To, to all forms, everything. to everything. And, and you yeah. know, people say to me, but that's not really a, a science thought. It's like, absolutely it is. That's <laughs> chaos theory. I mean, ah. you, look at, you look at all the latest science and chaos theory, yeah. and it shows that every single thing is energy and matter interconnect. And again, Einstein with his famous quote, E equals MC squared. Mm. I mean, what he showed in that was actually really profound. It said mm. that the whole universe, if you look at the Big Bang, the whole universe, it started from 
energy. It was energy that actually turned into matter. Mm-hmm. So matter came from right at the very beginning. It came, came from, from energy. energy yeah. It, yes. You know, it had yes. so energy goes to matter and matter goes to energy. I mean, that's really well, profound. I think uh, John said, "I'll never pee the same again." <laughs> 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 and, and Kathleen replied, I hope not upside down, John. Um, I don't even know what that's about. It was a comment from Marina saying, I'm going to get a glass of water earlier, but I, I, I left that. Crystals feel alive, Troy says. Yeah. See, it, uh, there's a, a few different things I've, I've, uh, that's occurred to me as you've been saying this. One is that um, I love your passion about this. It, it's, it just comes across, so it's, it's beautiful. Um, I love that you acknowledge the limitations of science uh, at the start of this particular discussion um, in understanding certain aspects and that when it came to, to water and that as well. Um, can, can Harry remember all the things that he wanted to say? I also, the other thing is we're talking about energy, vibration, all the rest is that we are basically um, space yeah, in, in that, in that the, the, on a cellular level, uh, there's, it's just, what, it's predominantly space, 80, 90, 95, 99, whatever the percentage is. Do you know what the Yeah, well, what is? it is, since I taught this last week, actually, to yeah. my students, well, two weeks ago, they're on break. But one of the things is if we actually look at an, an atom, mm. right, and you, you, you take an atom and you, you blow it up to a you know, very mm. large thing, if you, if you actually were to look at the outer shell of the electrons, so you've got the nucleus, with yeah. which the protons and the, and the neutrons in there, yeah. and then you've got the, the electrons that are in an orbit in different shells outside. So if you actually yeah. look at, at the electron orbits, the yeah. size of a football field, right. or no, no, yeah. or even, a, yeah, well, a football field, I yeah. guess, if you're yeah. looking at that, you, and you actually explore how big that nucleus would be, it would be less than the size of a pinhead. <laughs> so again, you know, we're talking about an actual wow. atom, the size wow. of a pinhead compared to so a pinhead yeah. sitting in, in the, the middle of a football, football field. field. That's actually wow. the um, the relationship wow. that atoms have. So again, when it, it blows our mind and it's very it's hard to speak of things like that because yeah. But there is yeah. more space, yeah. as you said, than yeah, there's matter. It's fun. I didn't realise there was that much yeah, space. Yes. And I've met some people that have got a lot of that up, that up there. But <laughs> sorry. And and for my students who are watching, that's on the quiz this week. That's the question on the quiz. So there you go. I wonder if there are any of your students watching. It'd be, it'd be good to know. It's, it's, put a comment up if you if you are watching. Uh, okay, so. Um, that's okay, I'm, that's fascinating, and I and I can d- definitely resonate with what you're saying there. I think that's really that's really interesting. What um, we need to sort of look at now is uh, move from that into the direction of uh, the, another thing that we're going to talk about tonight, which which is what's happening environmentally yeah. um, and uh, what science is saying about what is happening environmentally and what the future prospects um, possibly might be. Because uh, you did mention to me, I think um, last night, I think I was talking to you on the phone and you did mention to me about uh, David Suzuki, your friends with him. And uh, he's, uh, can we talk about that? Sure. Just to set the, where, where humanity might be heading and then we'll expand from there. So what was it that David found out when he interviewed uh, or he, did he interview 100 scientists? Yeah, so what he did was, um, so about two years ago, I was at a conference in uh, Canada 
And um, one of the things that David was talking about there, uh, that sounds very pretentious, David Suzuki, but I don't mean to say David. But yeah, one of the things that David was, was talking about there was he was saying that he asked he, he did he asked a hundred of the world's leading climate change scientists. And the question that he actually asked is something that we're not actually talking about in, in general conversations, you know, around the world. And one of the things that he asked was um, he asked them to give him a percentage of whether humanity will survive to the end of this century. And that's actually quite radical. So we're not actually talking about the planet, we're actually talking about humans' existence. Yes, humans, yeah. You know, whether yeah. as a species we can survive, because we're looking at the, um, the, the extinction rate of so many different species that we don't actually speak about humans yeah. as a species. Yeah. As if, you know, as if we're above the whole nature yeah. thing and, and yeah. you know, but looking at us as a species and what is the likelihood of us surviving to the end of the century, which is really only 80 years, like yeah. it's a generation. Yeah, that's right. And they all came back, this is independent, they all mm. came back and said it was 50%. 50% chance. And that, yeah. that gives me shivers. I think yeah. the whole room yeah. was we, at that conference just, just went silent. quiet. Yeah. Because again, yeah. I, I think that part of it is that we really don't, realize how profound this change is and again we have been talking about it. it was really in the 60s that they started noticing that it's the scientific it's the ideology of, of society right now it's our beliefs our practices our thoughts the way we think we've had them for so long now especially since the industrial revolution yeah that it wasn't yeah. until the 60s that people like rachel carson started saying look something's going on here and since then yeah. that you know it has been a progression um, of people sort of calling us on it. And again, yeah. for my lifetime, because I was yeah. born in the 60s, yeah. it's it's one of those things that for me, that's all I know. And so right. again, you know, there are a lot of people yeah. who are sort of 50, like me, mm. 50 plus, will turn around and, and say things like, well, everybody's been saying this for decades now, you know, right. but again, we've yes. got to remember yeah. that this yeah. is actually, it's only been yeah. maybe four decades that yeah. we've actually been having this conversation. It's true. And it turns, it takes a long time to turn this massive ship around. And, and of course we know it's going to take longer than this. Yes. And so yes. I think that it's one of those things that I think people are starting to, to realize the, the profoundness and of course it's escalating in the natural environment it's exponentially happening whereas we're only sort mm. of asking these questions mm. but most of us can actually sit back and relax and continue mm. our lives we can watch our tv we can go to the store we yes. can buy our things yeah there's still choices to us yes but to the natural world mm. it's it's moving forward at such a fast rate that we're yeah. actually not bearing yeah. witness to it. Yes, and, and it, but it is sneaking up on us so rapidly. Yes. And, and the awareness of that is now coming across in mainstream media yes, a lot yes. more now. Um, there is, and I want to sort of uh, touch on the science behind it. I want you to explain the science behind it, what, what's, what science is, is saying is, is happening. Um, but it's interesting when, you know, we've had say uh, four decades of, of warnings that have gotten louder and louder and now they've really gotten loud in the last yeah. especially i think the last year but what i found interesting and, and extremely uh disappointing uh behavior is uh one of the i think it was exxon one of the major oil companies having um a committee or whatever it was called of people within its company that was examining uh environmental changes in the 70s and the 80s and we're aware at that point back then of uh, what was going on. Did they do anything about it? 
No, they did the opposite of warning people and they did the opposite of, I mean, them being partly responsible for it. Instead of doing something about it, no, they they started a disinformation campaign. Yeah. This is well documented. You know, it's well documented now, but it was actually uh, suppressed. That sort of information was suppressed for a couple of decades before it came out in mainstream media. So they started a disinformation campaign and poured millions of dollars into discrediting that there was any change happening. And they had influential people that were being paid to sort of say, oh, no, no, everything's all right. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, we, you know, we find out the extent of it now and we're just like, oh, seriously, you know, it makes no sense when we're shitting in our own nest, yeah. does it, you know? So, and, and look, and I think it, you know, if you look at human behaviour, so one of the things that I look at there is, is just human behaviour. I think since the beginning of time, you know, people have a certain pathology or certain reaction mm. to things. Mm. And so, I mean, back in the day, you know, all those years ago when they said the world was mm. was square, right? And you'd fall off the edge, uh, you know, flat, flat sorry, flat, you know, yeah, it was, it yeah, was yeah, flat and you'd yeah, fall, you know, a square side yeah. and it was flat and you'd <laughs> yes. fall off the edge. Yeah. You know, it took yeah. a long time for people yes. and science to actually show that the that earth was, was round. Right. And yeah. again, you know, there are people who are still and saying it's flat and that's OK. There's well, the flat earth. There, there is a quite a, a groundswell of that. I when I need a good laugh, I watch some of their videos. But and, <laughs> and not, you know, the thing is, we're all we're all entitled to have our own opinions. But then yeah. there's a difference between an opinion yeah. and uh, educated, you know, the scientific understanding or not even just science. Yes. But, you know, an informed opinion. There's a yes. difference between a formed opinion, uh, a formed that's, perspective that's, and an opinion. That's true. And, and yeah. that's that's the thing that I think that we're not doing well with right now and yeah. again i have no problem with people having their opinions yeah. but again the only thing i'm not going to discredit anybody's opinion but mm. what i can do is i can talk about the science or yes. i can talk about so. evidence-based research that actually speaks okay. to it and then again just leave them to actually to, explore to, it but, yes. but again if but you, just before we get into that I, I want to address a comment there marina says i cannot believe how many people i speak to that do not believe in climate change they are living with their heads in the sand very sad and yes i we acknowledge that and and i and think part of it again is this is this pathology, pathology of change and so one of right. the things that I, I looked at is again if we're looking at major changes that affect people and affect society climate change is one of them but there are mm. many other things mm. veganism is another one being vegans or, we're, we're, or even well including indigenous perspectives yes right you, you name yeah. whatever it is that that's kind of inclusive behavior you name any mm. of those things when there is a, a when there is a, a groundswell to move to get people to actually critique something that they're i mean they're, they're born with a certain mm. ideology of mm. what a society is and what mm. a good person does and and with their, a, a you know, certain all those, conditioning that's right those, yeah. and you know that's been promoted through everything that they've ever known and all of a sudden somebody comes along and and challenges that the first thing that there are many ways in which why people resist climate change and one of the ways is there is an anger element yeah. right and they take it they take it as a, a personal not necessarily personal attack but again they they what it, what happens is that whole idea of when people are asked to change their way of thinking they will always resist it mm. right they will always mm. resist it and again and that's human nature it's not as if mm. it's wrong but mm. it takes a while for people to mm. actually start to the first uh, the first time i ever hear anything it's like yeah. that sounds crap <laughs> right the second time it's like you know that still sounds crap the third time it's, it's probably that just right, i've heard that before yeah the fourth time yeah. well tell me more about that yeah you know and the fifth time it's like oh no i've heard about that and let me yeah. look into it and, yes you know it's not yes. it's so not for a while so to open up to something takes that, a while that's right yes and so again you know people do that so with climate change i think it's one of those things that mm. that people 
it's easy. It's it's easy to feel threatened. And one of the things I say is that, you know, we have to resist our privilege. Climate change makes us turn around and say, I have this lifestyle. I've worked hard for it. I've done all these things. What do you mean? I believe that I need to give something up. If I really mm. take on any of this change, whether it's climate change, in, in, in infusing Indigenous beliefs or, or veganism, it's that whole idea of I'm going to have to give something up. And you know I'm entitled to mm. to this lifestyle. I've worked mm. hard for it. You know, yeah. you know, and then and so what happens is you put in there is a there is a fear based thing that that yeah. manifests as anger. It manifests as all these different things. Mm. And so what happens is people usually resist it, and that's the yeah. thing. There are, and there are multiple facets to resisting. I won't go through mm. them now. Yeah. They are in many papers, including my own, looking mm. at how people actually respond to climate change. And, and that's okay. The thing is, though, at some point, you know, they will move or may not move part yeah. of the different stages yeah. that you need to. Yeah. But the, the reality of climate change, if you're looking at science, yeah. if, you look, if you're looking at it, the reality is there are too many papers. There are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of papers that actually, and with evidence-based papers in peer-reviewed uh, journals, and I can tell you, it takes at least two or three years for your work to actually even go through the um, the peer review process. It is a hard thing. So it, it takes a long time for it mm. to be proofed. Mm. And mm. only if it's shown to be evidence-based and valid, will it can actually be published, right? And I, as somebody who goes through this process, yeah. I can tell you about that. Yeah. So there, are, there is too much, there is overwhelming evidence. So climate change is a thing, right? Mm. Now, and people usually say to me, but it has been a thing. And in fact, it has been. This is mm. there have been seven major climate change events that we know of in the in the planet's history. Right. So th this isn't new. Mm. What is new is the speed at which it's happened. All the other ones have taken hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years. And so over that time, all life, whether it's a plant or whether it's an animal, mm -hmm. has had time to evolve mm -hmm. yeah. and change to and adapt. it responds yeah. and adapts to yeah. its environment. Right? It takes a long time for a mutation to occur that allows mm -hmm. that species to sort of get ahead mm -hmm. and things like that. Yeah. So the, the thing is, though, it really has been in the past 200 years, we have seen a change that is not enough. I mean, if mm. you're a, if you're a fruit fly and you've got a very high, you know, you, you breed every yeah. 14 yep. days, yeah. you can you probably can... find the right. mutations yes. and you can probably yeah. evolve. But yeah. for humans and plants yeah. and some trees, they don't yeah. actually start their reproductive cycle for you know 60 yeah. years. So for yeah. the long-lived creatures. Yeah. Um, and those who are being affected by the devastation of the planet, um, you know, directly, whether we're clear cutting their habitat, things like that. You know, that's where the problem is. The problem comes in the time frame. The problem mm. comes in the fact that we're, and it's human, it's called the Anthropocene. And the Anthropocene is how humans have changed the very chemistry of the air. They've changed, it's the first time the very chemistry of the air has been changed because of humans, okay. right? The, the water, the soil, every single part of this plant of, of the change in this mm. anthropocene is happened because of human intervention and it's mm. the rate and so the, the biggest thing is that that will humans survive it will other species survive it that that's actually the question the planet herself will survive it mm. i mean the, we have mm. no no mm. issue with the planet mm. herself i mean mm. the, the biggest mm. the biggest environmental disaster 
than ever happened to this planet were these tiny new green bacteria in the ocean. The, the ocean was actually full of purple bacteria. So if mm. you actually looked at the world millions and millions of mm. years ago, it mm. was green, it was purple. It was purple. It yeah. was lovely purple, mm. it would have been lovely to see. But then this green bacteria came in mm. and this green bacteria started producing a gas that was not in the atmosphere at all. It, there was no oxygen in the atmosphere at all right. back then. For millions yeah. of years, there was no oxygen. And so all the, the, the life that was there, the, these bacteria could only sort of, they reacted in a non-oxygen atmosphere. Yeah. And then this bloody little green bacteria started farting out this gas. <laughs> and, and over millions of years, it changed the whole nature of the, of the atmosphere. And that's when life on the planet as we know it now came into oxygen-based life that breathe in oxygen, that's when we evolved, right? But again, it took millions and billions of years for yeah. that to happen. Yeah. And so now yeah. we're actually changing that ratio. I mean, there's always been slight changes, but we're changing that yeah. ratio to such a degree that we're yeah. threatening that. And so again, the planet will survive it, yes. right? You know, life yeah. might be wiped out or some life will change yeah. and evolve, but, yeah. but again, it's, it's, it won't be the way we know it. Yes, it's, and that's what science is saying. It's, 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 it's saying that we have to be careful as a species. The reason why climate change is, is even on the radar is because humans are actually really undermining the way that we're going to live and if we can live on this planet yeah. and the way life is, can we breathe in the oxygen? Can we actually, in the way that our bodies are now, can we actually drink the water? Can we actually eat the food that's left? There are so many different pollutants and things like that that we're at that point where it's the first time in humanity we're really having some of these because it's global scale we're yes. having these type of questions yeah and so that's that's really why it comes into it i mean if if we weren't so human-centric um if we were looking more at the planet we'd say well this is just one of the changes but because we're aware of the implications to humans all of a sudden we're saying holy crap this, so, this climate change we need to worry about because yeah, it is affecting yeah, us. Yeah, because it's, Whereas it's the other fun, times we it, weren't around, no, climate it, change didn't I hate to really say it, but it, it, that to me occurs as, as like a selfish thing, isn't it? It's like, oh, it's affecting us, we'll, we'll take notice now, you know, which unfortunately seems to be one of the That's problems right. of the human condition, it you know. It's a, um, are we responsible for it? Oh, the Anthropocene, absolutely. Yeah, this the, this climate yeah. change, because absolutely. from the Industrial Revolution onwards, yeah, and that absolutely. And and but, just and again, it's it's our ideology. And what I mean by that, it's the way um, the, uh, the the commodification, um, the 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 way mm, that we use the mm, planet. It's mm, the way of mm, thinking and way of acting mm, that we've normalised. Yes, yeah, saying that all cultures have felt this way and all cultures have done that. Actually, that's not the case. No. It's no, not the case. There have and been respectful cultures. Absolutely. Well, sustainable yeah. cultures. Sustainable and again, cultures, if yes. you look at, say, the Australian Indigenous people, even mm. you look at the Kumameri from mm. the Gold Coast, which is where I'm on. Mm -hmm. And so this is Yugambeh land, just to acknowledge it's Yugambeh land and it's the Kumameri people mm. who live on the Gold Coast. They've been living this lifestyle for thousands, yes. thousands and thousands yeah. of years. Yeah. And, you know, there was a way of relating to the, the earth. And, and part of that was keeping the population down. It was the ah, carrying capacity yes. of the land, yes. right? And, and again, there was that part of it is because yeah. humans are breeding at such a high yeah. rate, it means that other species aren't given the chance to breed. Yes. They're not given the chance to yes. have young because yes. we believe that we're the superior yes. species. The earth yes. is actually um, for us to use at our, our pleasure and you know and how we choose to and so therefore it means that because we have that assumption because we have that 
ideology. It means that that's that's the the foundational thing that's actually mm. causing the Anthropocene or the climate change era and uh, this era. And that's actually where the problem is. We need to shift to understanding our relationship with the earth um, more holistically and and more related. And that's mm. what a new mm. era that I of science looks at. It's called post-humanistic science, and that's where I come from. So there is an area when we talk mm. about science, it's not uniform. Mm -hmm. There are areas of science where there's a lot of work in that's talking about how we can live more respectfully. Good, right? And so Good. that it's the old way of science. When we say science, yeah. it's almost as if it's bad. It's like yeah. science. Yeah. But I've been there, known to say that. But again, you know, there there yeah. are there are good and bad of everything right? oh, yes. and there are yeah. sort of you know yeah, there are cool. ways in science that actually really promote that are very much aligned with indigenous ways of knowing and perspectives and ideologies with veganism and even though mm. they don't use those terms because mm. as we were saying mm. you know we talk about plant-based diet mm. we don't talk about veganism because of the term the labeling and the advertising with it yeah you know? but the yeah. thing is though if you actually look at at uh, this new form of science and i guess mm. that's what what you asked, where do we go with this? Yeah. And I think yeah. part of it is for each of us to actually really stop and, and be reflective and say, let's have a look at some of our underlying beliefs and assumptions mm -hmm. and, and the ways that we understand ourselves. And a lot of it is, it comes down to that whole notion of individually, we're probably not the most compassionate and caring to ourselves. <laughs> Right, we're not that's the nicest a, that's to That's a really good point, actually. And you know, yes. we don't show. What does it look yes. like to show compassion yes. to ourselves? Because we actually have it. You know, if we're yes. looking at how can we be in a mm. harmonious relationship mm. with self? Mm. And if we don't know how to do that, <laughs> then how can you actually be in a harmonious yeah. relationship with others, whether they're the cow, the right. emu, uh, your friends, that, or other people? That lack of um, harmonious self uh, connection. Um, where do you think that actually comes from? Again, it's it's the the way our society has raised us uh, as people. Yes. It's that ideology yes. of yeah. you know um, looking for things outside ourselves for that, well, even to that, satisfy that, us. That, that whole notion yeah. of um, just the way we, we make. In fact, it's it's mm. it's the cornerstone of everything how we understand our world. You know, it's survival of the fittest. Mm. The story of science. Oh, you know, you can yes. that that yes. whole idea of you yes. know. You know, yeah. you go somewhere. I, the other day I went somewhere to buy an apple and there were about three apples left. Mm -hmm. And one of them was mangy looking <laughs> sort of, and, mm -hmm. and everybody was sort of choosing the nicest looking mm -hmm. apples until everybody sort of yeah. left that one lonely animal. And, yeah. I, and I went and I grabbed the dodgy looking apple. <laughs> yes. And everybody looked at me yeah. as if to say, you know, it's like, no, 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 I will take the best piece of fruit for myself yeah. and I will leave the, it's like the dodgy that's, piece of fruit is fine. But that's it comes actually down to, a really good analogy of how we got in this shit. Yeah. That's <laughs> a really well, that's good analogy. Exactly Everybody's choosing the best apple and leaving the crap for others. Yeah. It's just like, well, you can't keep doing that. There's a finite resources in Absolutely. that. You know, and that's, you know yeah. there's a million things about, you know, the, the way that we construct, you just speak to any farmer about what mm. they can sell to Coles and Woolies. Oh. And it's got to look a certain <laughs> way, but that's it's... not really what an apple. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. I there. wanted to ask you, there's some uh, comments here I want to get to, but I want to ask you just talking about the original indigenous owners of the land of Australia. Um, I believe, uh, and I'll just keep this really brief, I believe that our history, that from what we've been taught in school, that James Cook, uh, Captain Cook came and, and what he saw was not what we were taught in school. In other words, um, the way they were described as uh, primarily hunters that were moving around nomadically and that, and apparently uh, the original reports show that they actually had 
cultivated land or crops or whatever and that they lived uh, more in certain areas, didn't move that much and had, had a different sort of lifestyle to what we were taught in school. Is that correct? Well, I think one of the key things is that, I mean, every Indigenous community has their own sort of um, own way of thinking, being and, and interacting with their environment based right. on the environment. So it's really hard to sort of essentialise or say that they all mm. did anything. Okay. But, so, yeah. so some of them might yeah. have been hunters and gather, yeah. gatherers, some of them, you know, they, yeah. they some of them were nomadic, some of them weren't. So right. in, okay. every area and, okay. you know, every sort of language base, every single group of people have their own sort of identity. So Fair it's enough. hard to generalise. However, yeah. Yeah. one of the things that, that that is coming out now is that whole idea when when Cook landed, mm. the first thing, this is mm. actually coming back to water, segue. Ah, nice. um, yeah. <laughs> when the very first thing when the when the white fella came yeah. onto the land, what the indigenous people did is they greeted them and they handed them water. Oh right. Because again <laughs> nice connection. <laughs> again that, that yeah, whole idea they would have realized these people have been on a boat for a long period of time. Right. They're landing there, and you offer the most precious, precious thing that you have. Of and fresh water of is the thing that yes. links us all. Yes. And so they wow. actually, with gratitude, wow. welcomed them to the land yeah. with fresh water. Wow. Right? And again, of course, it wasn't seen that way, but yes. it was actually s yeah. done as. Yeah. You you and I are connected, yes. and we're connected through this yeah. thing of water. It's wow. that that whole thing. We are all related, wow. and here is some fresh water for you. The way that Captain Cook saw the, the land and claimed the land, he claimed it as terra nullius. Terra nullius meant that no human lived here. Ah. So they did not actually see the indigenous people of Australia as even being human. Wow. So, I mean, it's very profound. Wow. And the fact that, you know, um, indigenous cultures, I mean, you know, the, the indigenous people that I work with, all I can say is that I'm, I'm always humbled mm -hmm. by um, their, their patience, their their um their their sense of you know I, I think for me if i had been treated 200 years that way you wouldn't I have been I'm, so tolerant no, no and i guess you know it's the patience mm. it's the mm. it's all those type mm. of things and again i'm generalizing but what i'm saying the people that i work with mm. you know it's yeah. what i really it's it's that you know from little things, big things grow. You know, it's that that whole idea of I've we will be across, patient I've and, come that before, and, and that type yes. of thing. But again, we have to really realise that you know when this land was conquered, it was it was it was conquered legally because mm. no people lived here, and so we could England could claim it as their own because there was nobody living here because they actually saw them as flora and fauna. They weren't actually seen as, and again, just, and it comes back to that's wow. the original thing of where we're going wow. with climate change, because yeah. again, we validate some things yeah. as important, other things as not. And so flora and fauna yeah. were, were seen as less than, and so yeah. we could then, if something is less yeah. than, then yeah. you can actually um, devalue it, mm. you can dehumanize it, mm. and you can then commodify mm. it and use it for your own will, mm. right? And again, it's that whole idea of mm. them and us. And mm. that's the problem in society, whether the them, you know, when if they're us, then we hold them dear, we say that they're respected. If it's other, whether it's another mm. ethnicity, whether mm. it's another species, we say, yeah, they're not as important. Mm. So we do the them yeah. and us, and so we can belittle them. And that's part of the, the mm. whole ideology of what got us into this mess. Right? Yes. We need to actually break down yes. those walls and actually see the interconnections that we all share, that we are all related. We yeah. are, whether you are, are a fly, a mosquito, which I still have problems with mosquitoes, but still, <laughs> whether you're a fly or a mosquito, you still have a worth. Right. You still have, and well, we, whether you're of my course. best friend or my dog, yes. you know, you still have yes. a worth. Yes. You know, whether you're, um, 
you know, whatever it is. You, yes. you play a role on this planet. And yes. so you should not be belittled. Yes. And until we actually find that connection, that, yeah. that sort of that linking, yeah. then we're going to still um, commodify things, capitalize, yeah. you know, follow and, the capitalist system and, and nothing will really change. And I think uh, Kathleen said it, uh, talking about the capitalist system, she said uh, this m misrepresentation of information has been happening in all areas for many years, yeah. all controlled by the mighty dollar, which I, I agree with and, and I like to uh, add to that that um, when uh, money becomes God, ethics disappear, which is yeah. what we have seen happen uh, due to just ridiculous selfishness. It's like, I don't care what's happening to you, I'm a, I just care what I'm getting. That's right. And that's that's what's ruining everything for everyone. Uh, John says, where, where I find uh, where I find a hypocrisy is we the people are told that water is precious, save water, have short showers, but then industry is fracking, polluting water, using it voluminously, and the indus industry consumption and pollution goes unchecked. Yeah. It's one rule for us, the people, and another for industry. Exactly. This can be applied to the whole biosphere. Industry continues to go unchecked. It's all, it's almost impossible for the people to be able to help the planet when industry continues the same old way. And I'll just add to that, that's spot on. It's even harder to um, help the planet when that industry is being supported by the governments <laughs> that are meant to be working for the people, not the, the, the industries that are ruining the planet. So, you know, and this is the problem we've got in, in, in the major, powers of the world, Australia included, and of course the US, where it's just all like the government's in there just supporting the industry, you know, it's... And you know, it's, it's really even more um, insidious than that too, and I completely mm. agree with what you're saying, but if you look at who makes the, um, the educational agendas and the mm. curriculum, it's the government. Yeah. You know, and again, you know, this this is a whole yes. big loop, and again, it's, it's called the um, ideological state apparatus. Foucault right. sort of talks about this and it's basically how the, the powers that be determine everything we know, right? Again, I grew up on the Gold Coast, I grew up in Australia, and so everything that I've ever understood about myself in the world has come from the, the formal and in, informal cultural education that I've received. Right. And so, and that is all sort of um, being told by the powers that be and the stories that the people uh, in power want to sort of pass along to the next mm -hmm. generation, i.e. formal education. Mm -hmm. And so it, it is mm -hmm. really interesting and even um, how we've come to know those things, mm -hmm. you know, all those type of things. So again, part of it is that, that whole, how do you start to speak back to it? And I think that that's a nice thing about being vegan mm. and it's not about a diet when people say mm. to me you're vegan it's like it's about mm. what do you eat mm. it's, it's actually mm. not mm. about a diet That's it's right. about a philosophy of really yes. saying what does it actually mean for me to reflect on my life and again i don't mind what choices people make mm -hmm. you know i've got a lot of my close friends aren't vegans they're not mm. vegetarians and meat eaters, and that's right. okay because again for me it's a, you know, for me what it is is just me reflecting on my life and mm -hmm. re reflecting on all the things that i've been told and saying you know what the only thing i can actually change is me exactly and so what can i do mm. that will and of course i'm a hypocrite of course we all are right mm. it's hard to live in this world and and we do the best that we can. And again, yeah. what does compassion look like? You know, I make choices every day that I hope align with my internal beliefs, yes. my vegan beliefs, my beliefs about what I want the world to be, and my beliefs about uh, the other more than human world that I share the planet with. Mm. Do I get it right every day? I can't. I mean, mm. I, I drove here yeah. to this yeah. interview. Yeah. Yes, I drove my Prius. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I still drive. I mean, we're yes. all hypocrites 
in that but, respect. Yeah, but, yes. but the thing yes. is that we're doing our best and that's yes. part of being gentle. And if we can all, if everybody can all just live by their ethics to have and continually research and make sense of this world and, and keep asking deeper questions and, and vote, because, because yes. again, what John, what you're saying is absolutely correct. You know, I say to my students, even if everybody recycled, even if everybody recycled, <clears throat> even if everybody didn't drive their, their cars, or that, that plays, plays a role in it. But again, that's nothing compared to what industry is doing. Yeah. Right. The end of yeah. it, we teach kids that recycle. We teach kids, you know, go out and do this, that, mm. and all these individual things. Mm. It's not actually the individual mm. things. They all play a role, but they're, mm. they're nothing. Mm, compared to what industry is doing yeah. and the only way we can and really change that is through political will and also when you say industry the biggest uh the greatest uh disruptor of of what's happening to the planet has been the animal agriculture industry because of the incredible uh land clearing that's Absolutely. been involved the um the methane and and other pollutants that have gone into the atmosphere or gone into the groundwater or, or wherever um, the, just the destruction of that industry that's unsustainable. You know, this is why, uh, you know, the only person that we can change is ourselves. And we have a very powerful uh, ability there to say, okay, I'm not going to support this industry anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I, can, I can make a change and I can be the example for other people to, to, to maybe question why I've done that and they can learn from it as well. And they can, you know, make the change as well. That's right. And I guess it's so. that whole idea of coming back to compassion. I right, mm. circle around again. Mm. If mm. we can show compassion to ourselves, to the people around us, mm. to in our workplaces, yeah. to the environment, yeah. and even to that big nasty business, <laughs> right? The corporate. If we yes. can actually live well, what compassion is, which yes. for me is what the vegan lifestyle is. Again, what's yeah. what's the? I say to people when they say you know mm, vegan, and they sort of yeah. get up in your face about it, yeah. and that resistance to change. Yes, which is fine, and I understand it. But I say, what's the worst thing I'm doing? I'm I'm saying that we should be more compassionate. <laughs> wow, right. I agree. Kill me now. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's right. like really, that's yeah. that's, yeah. that's the worst There's, thing I'm saying then you know there's a few comments here that have come through that i've got to get to um because we're starting to run down on time so marina says recently there have been some very interesting documentaries on tv the first one was on the 6th of august uh called high stakes second on the 10th of august uh vital signs future of food and the third was on the 11th of august climate change the facts hmm, all very interesting to do with the future of food and climate change all a must to watch if you can. That's great, Marina. Thank, Thank you. you. I wasn't aware of that. Thank you. Um, and Marina doesn't like perfect fruit and veggies either. No, actually, I find the most compassionate people think that way too. Um, they, they prefer the blemished ones because they, yeah, anyway. Um, John says 95% of what people do is based on a social convention Absolutely. rather than an ethical convention. Yes, or it's, even just it's the, the, we don't the think, peer we don't pressure to, thing. We don't know how to think for ourselves. That's right. Deconstruct. That's right. We, we don't, don't know how to think for because ourselves. Because we haven't been taught it in schools. Do you find that we are... We haven't been taught it in schools. That's true. And also, we are so afraid on the most basic level of being um, not accepted by Alienated. Yeah. Alienated. That's because right. we want to feel loved. Yeah, yeah, right. So it comes back we've to that most like basic him. need. We've got and to be again, liked. We've got to be liked. And again, that's just being know, socially so. constructed. What is a yeah. good girl? A good girl is someone uh, who does the right thing, yes. who's liked. What's yes. the best thing you can be in our society? Yeah. Yeah. You can be liked. You know, you're yeah. a team player, yeah. you're liked. Again, yeah. it all comes back to what we've been taught. True. We, uh, Marina says we have a lot to learn from our indigenous people. I realise we're getting the comments from things we talked about 10 minutes ago. Troy says, it's great to see that some scientists are exploring areas of thought which can help life. And it is great, Troy, because 
I personally <laughs> have not had much faith in science for the longest time. So, because I did physics and chemistry and all that in, in high school. So, um, it is good to see this change. Um, uh, so, uh, can help life, the planet, and ultimately us too, with compassion and connectedness. Yeah, well said, Troy. Absolutely. John says, I don't know where industry ends and government begins. Well said. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, I should share that one on Facebook. That's really good. Kathleen says it goes far beyond that, Harry, a massive manipulated setup. Well, it is. Uh, all about money, of course. We'll send you a couple of videos to watch. You will understand the depth of how big this is and how far back this has gone. It is massive. Oh, yes. I have, uh, I am familiar with uh, some of the history uh, that, that you're talking about there. Um, and it relates, and, and I mean, you, the deeper you go into it, the more it gets, you know, into the secret societies and all that. And you're really just like, Oh my God, I've gone down a rabbit hole here. It's like, how, how much of this can my brain handle? Um, and uh, social engineering, yeah, John uh, mentions there. So um, I, I, there was so much more we could have talked about tonight. You are a fantastic, you should be lecturing. You're a fantastic communicator. One of the, one of the most amazing communicators I've had the pleasure of talking with. I wanted to... Uh, I have so much more I want to ask you, but I just, I just want to go a little bit over time. Um, how are we going to, what's the, what's your advice on the best thing to do now in 2019 with the UN's IPCC reports saying, you know, we've got now what, 11 years before we've, we've got to have made major changes um, or we're totally screwed. Um, what, you know, what advice could you give? Um, I, I think, you know, ultimately for me, you know, my students ask me this question a lot and it's like, live by your own beliefs. Ask questions, it's an internal, it's a journey, your mm -hmm. own journey. And if you can lead by an example around compassion, around critical thinking, around asking questions, mm -hmm. about doing the, the hard work and making some choices, again, it's about, you know, we're, we live in a very privileged mm. lifestyle. Mm. If you, It's not mm. about giving it up, but it's about rethinking it. And it's about stepping back and saying, you know, what do I need? Okay, yes, I might like the taste of meat, which I, I can't even say that anymore. Uh, it's been too long. But, you know, it's to, to say that, you know, let, let's actually have a look at it. Instead of instant gratification, let's have, have a look at the bigger picture. Let's try and re-educate ourselves. Let's try and, and think differently. And sometimes it's very challenging. Let's sort of really stop and say, okay, I'm feeling resistance here. I'm feeling a bit of anger. I'm feeling a bit scared here. Mm. To actually understand that, recognise it, and, and go down that path anyway. It's good advice to get away from the instant gratification look the big picture because we're being forced to do that now yeah, and everything and in our society sorry is instant gratification we've, oh, we've got a generation that's looking at that we've got a, a generation of people that are unable to focus uh you know they really have very little self-control very little mind control of their mind at all and it's actually not a good uh trait to have it it just does not help you in your life at all to not be able to self-control but that's a whole different thing but i think so but ultimately the, it's an individual journey and i think that yeah. it's a ripple effect and will infect you know will I keep would, on keep on doing that peaceful journey that compassionate journey and it in, influences other people it's not about preaching but it's yeah. about leading by example it's about voting it's about you know joining mm. social activism things like that it's a, it's an individual journey as long as it's a journey in the right direction yeah, that's that's that's, that's, that's and, and i know i know you're making that point but in yeah. coming in community so. with 
like-minded people and yes. getting supported. There's a good question. Like this show. Yeah, that's, thank you. Yeah, um, David says my head must be full of sand. Where is the hard evidence? We didn't actually share any hard evidence. No. We didn't even get no. the hard evidence. But there's a lot out there. And again, um, you know, there is so much hard evidence. It depends on if we're looking at climate change. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't have the memory of the 50 million. Uh, scientifically yes. valid yes. journals go to any journal and you'll see a lot of evidence there's very um, little evidence that's actually based around um that that shows anything against opposite it. yes okay katie says oh, i appreciate this conscious conversation thank you for sharing your wonderful knowledge and and wisdom uh sue says thank you troy says invite her back actually yes i would like you to come back so we can maybe discuss all the hard evidence to keep david happy um, <laughs> And John says, come back again. Oh, I love it when you get everybody asking you to come back. That's awesome. Uh, and Helen says, wonderfully informative and stimulating. Thank you. Namaste. That's some of the best. Thank you. The Thank best you. comments to go Seriously, out I on. I feel very, very I, humbled. I, I actually, uh, it's just been absolutely wonderful to have you here and to listen to your, your talk and, and pick up on your wisdom and all this. been fantastic. Thank you very much, Ellie. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> so um, I'm going to have to wind it up now. We've got a little bit over time, but I'm going to have to wind it up. Otherwise, we'll go all night. Yeah, you would make a great lecturer. I think I said that earlier. Um, and um, we're still getting all the thank yous coming in. That's awesome. Now, this episode, of course, will be... Uh, you can watch it at any time on social media and add comments at any time after the live stream's finished. It can be done. And uh, the YouTube version, hopefully, I should have up tomorrow night. So you'll be able to re-watch it in even better quality then. And let me have a look at what's coming up um, in two weeks' time. Oh, yeah, we have Pip. Pip Coogan from My Green Collective. I believe we're actually... I don't know if, it's, if we're going to be able to do this or not, but we're trying to organise to actually do a, a cooking demonstration in here. I don't know if we'll be able to really pull this one off or not. Well, you'll have to tune in and see in two weeks' time uh, uh, for uh, episode 17 on Tuesday, September the 3rd. So thank you everyone that's watched and, and commented. It's been really, really uh, wonderful to see the interest there. Thanks again, Ellie, and uh, I'll see you guys in two weeks' time. Until then, Live vegan and save lives and have a great night. Good night, everyone. <laughs>